Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Blaubanger. Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Live. We are your hosts, three diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real family friendly and positive, so get involved. Get involved. Get involved. How yeah. good. So I am Mark Ando Anderson. I am your host for this evening. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with you. And with me is regular Mitch. Mitch, say good day to our lovely friends and fans. Good day, everyone. <laughs> nice to have you along, mate. And we got Rev as well. Rev from Rugby, Rugby Fixation. How are you doing, mate? Very good. Does that make me irregular, Mitch? Just by default? <laughs> well, by default that you have not been with us for as long as original yeah, Mitch. Okay. So we got OG Mitch and uh, New Scheme Mitch. OG. Maybe you're New Money Mitch. That's what we should call you. New, New Money Mitch. Yeah. New, New Money Mitch. Yeah, <laughs> as a teacher, you're rolling in that dough. Uh, so. I don't Ooh. know it. Okay. (laughs) Well, everybody, it is a pleasure to be with you after the first round of the Bledisloe. And we now move into the obviously second round of the Bledisloe and the upcoming rugby championship. There's a lot to talk about. The Aussie and New Zealand teams have been released and we cannot wait to dive into those with you. But before we get going, um, Rev, we've already mentioned that you are also from Rugby Succession. Why don't you sell yourself a little bit? Tell Tell the adoring masses where they can find you. Yes, please get involved on Twitter at Rugby Fixation. Uh, we're releasing podcasts pretty close to weekly, just sort of uh, changing rotation depending on who's available and what we want to talk about. But a few interesting things coming up just in terms of uh, Wallaby selections over the years. So that'll be one to look out for in the next week or so. And uh, Rev, it's good to know that you're a favourite with the fans, favourite with the ladies. Robski Foster's <laughs> keen to have you back, mate. Keen to have you back. And Big Will Rugby, rugby, yeah, baby. Glad to have you along for the ride, Will. So uh, what we're going to do to start off with, I just want to let everybody know that we do have a rugby championship tipping competition, which has um, started. It's on Superbrew. We didn't want to give you the login code right here because you wouldn't have time to type it in. But basically, go on to our social social medias on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. Actually, it's mostly Facebook and Twitter. We've chucked this up on. So go check out the link there. Get involved. We've already got over 20 people that are registered. And last season for the um, Super AU, how many did we have, Mitch? Was it like 60, 70? 75 or something, I think. Yeah, it's a good, good number. Yeah, it's great. So let's see if we can get up to that as well. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, So let's continue on and head to the first part of this evening where we're going to be going through the predictions that we made and some of the reasons or some of the arguments that we had along the way about who was called out. So Rev, can I get you to just quickly, super quick run through um, who was... Who were who were some of the contentious calls within this team? And then Mitch, you can tell us what you argued about. <laughs> <laughs> so as we were choosing this, the three of us sort of but it has on a few spots. I think Locke was always a bit of a tough one. I've I've been gunning for Rodder for the last uh, two weeks and he hasn't yeah. he hasn't earned a spot, um, both in this and the actual one. Uh, we also had a bit of contention over um Lockie Swinton and Issy Nicerani sort of pushing their way into the back row. Um, and one of those has come true, which is nice. Uh, a bit of a gap between uh, McDermott and White as well for that nine jersey. And then I think probably the spots that were the most contentious were uh, the reserves. Um, between Tamua, Quade Cooper, Reese Hodge, Jordy Pattaya, there was a bit of movement for that um, 22-23 jersey. So um, it's good to see that none of us were on the money. 
Um, but we all came pretty close. Now, Mitch, before you start going off, um, why Quade Cooper for the bench twenty three? <laughs> why? Well, I just think if we're gonna if we're gonna play Cooper, it needs to be now. I don't want to wait until the if we win this week. I don't want to wait until the third test in Perth to bring him on and hopefully, you know, see how he he shapes up because if he's not good enough, then at least we've we've caught it early and we probably have a game to catch up. Uh, if he is good enough, great. He'll hopefully win us the Bledisloe. But you know, it's a big it's a big call. So it could go either way. And I don't think the, the decider in a Bledisloe, which we haven't had for a few years, is the best time to be testing out Quade Cooper. Yeah, I hear you with that one. I, I understand that there is this almost fairy tale aspect to what Quade could potentially do. Uh, he's not the future though by any stretch of the imagination. And so uh, whilst there is a part of me, the romantic part of me almost, that wants to see Quaid back in the fold and get one over the darkness, I really, it's, I don't even see that happening next week. Even if Lelisio gets injured, I'll see, you'll see Tamua swapping to that. It would almost without a shadow of doubt. Um, so uh, why don't we continue on now to what the actual predictions, well, what the actual team was, not the predictions. And Dave Rennie, I think, made some pretty big selection calls as we came out. Uh, we have, starting from front row, Slipper, Pango, Mosa, Alatoa. We called that one, boys. Well done to us. Yay. Yes. <laughs> so we then had Swain and Philip in the lock. Swinton, Hooper, Valentini round out the back row. McDermott, Lolasiu, 9 and 10, Corambete, Toomua. Paisami, Kellaway, and Banks, with the reserves being Ulesi, CO, Tupo, Salakaya, Loto, Wilson, White, Ikitao, and Hodge. So what we might do before we go any further is put them side by side with our predictions. And then you can see ooh, what we got right and <laughs> what we got wrong. Um, now, with this point, I just want to start with the fact that Big Will loves us, even though we're Aussies. Oh, so that just warms that. the cockles of my heart. Even when we get some of our team predictions wrong, it's good to see that there is a bit of love. And why don't we start some of the conversation here um, with Ian Roger jumping in and asking, any reason you can see why Ikitao got dropped? Mitch, start us off with that one, mate. I think the reason Ikitao is moved onto the bench is to bring in room for Tamua in the 12, um, and that is purely for a backup kicking option should Noel Alessio not be able to nail his shots like he did last week. I don't think Dave Rennie's going to make the same mistake he did last week when clearly Noah was off by 20, 25 minutes. It was pretty obvious, but we had no one else to, to possibly have a shot. Maybe um, Tate McDermott looks like he's been doing some kicks in training, but you wouldn't want to be testing him out uh, and Bledisloe won. So last week we had no option to go to and and we tried to sort of hope that Noah would come good in the second half and he didn't. I think this week we can go to having Tamua there allows us to then go to Tamua as another kicking option should it get a little bit too much for Noah. Okay, cool. That makes a lot of sense there. Uh, Rev, we've had a question come in from Hugh Tyndall asking, any idea what happened to Bell on the bench? Sia has been more underwhelming than Tamua in Super this year. <laughs> do we do we agree with that? Do we disagree? Do we understand why Bell's been dropped, Mr. Incredible himself? Uh, he's definitely been more underwhelming than Tamua in regards to Sia. I, I do agree with that. But I think for a test like this, they've just realised we want experience and they've made that really clear with all their decisions. Like, Adding Corin Betty, Nick White, and Scott Sio, that's 120 extra caps than they had last week. So I think just Sio being that much more experienced than Bell, they're really hoping that you know he's been in these positions. Um, he has held up scrums, even though he hasn't been as dynamic around the field. 
they don't really want that off the bench for Co because Tupo can do that. They just want him holding up the scrum and you know making tackles, which I think he will do a good job of. Yep. I hear and that. there's a new rule that's been brought in by Rugby Australia this year that we can't have more than two New South Wales Waratahs players in a Wallabies <laughs> 23. So last week it was Gordon. Last week it was Gordon, and now that Gordon's not in it, we've um, had to drop and bring in Co. Now that Swinton's been promoted to the starting side <laughs> alongside Hooper. Yeah. You heard it here first. There's anti-New South Wales bias for the first time in Rugby Australia's history. (laughs) So that's good to note. Now, Jason Sherman is currently going on a bit of a crusade in the comments asking about Tamua being the future, well, not being the future. Tamua is definitely not a fly half, although Stuff by Fish is stating that Tamua does give us a second playmaker well, sort of. Um, Rev, what do you think about the inclusion of Matt Tamua in the starting lineup? I thought he was quite strong off the bench last week, and it seems that he has return now to full fitness what what's your what's your opinion or take on this yeah i think mitch covered it pretty well when he was talking about ikitao's demotion to the bench and i think a lot of what um you know his punch added was probably what we'd expect more of paisami to do we saw him come off the bench replacing paisami and he was sort of hitting the gaps and running some really nice lines it's probably what we'd expect um you know paisami to be doing but you're right tamu's got a a good goal kicking game his tactical kicking they might be trying to exploit the new 50 22 um, now that's being included for these test matches. Um, but then we just saw Ikatao have a great um, left foot option. So to me, I don't love the decision. And obviously we didn't because we all had the Paisami Ikatao center combination going. So I'm probably in agreement with um, Jason Sherman, who's been saying that, you know, he's quite old. What's the point of development? All I can see it for now is a stopgap of get some experience and there's some solid defense and a bit more kicking. But, you know, the logical part of me would say Ikatao did that really well last week. So. Yep, fair enough. Big Will is agreeing with you, mate. So does that mean think, you're on the right um, track? or If Big Will agrees <laughs> with me, then I'm on the right track. Oh, you're a good Similar man. to your uh, point before as well around having CEO brought into the 23 experience, I think Tamu was there to take some of the pressure off Lelisio at 10 as well. Mm. Um, it's a pretty big call to be driving this Wallabies backline around at Eden Park when you're only, what, 21 or something. So I think having Tamu there is definitely going to take a lot of pressure off Lelisio. He adds another playmaking option where... Ikitao also is in his third or fourth test match as well. So he doesn't add a whole lot more than Lelesio does. If we can see that Lelesio starts to go backwards and isn't making the impact, Tamua is the option to step in there. Yeah, and Mitch, and- I think you nailed it there because with the All Blacks, they've got that combination of um, Mawanga, Havili, Reese, and Jordan, all these Crusaders that have played together. So even though they don't have many caps, they know each other inside and out. We're just trying to counter that by saying, well, we've got Lelesio, Paisami, and Ikitao. They don't all play at the same club. But if we yeah. put tomorrow in there, we get that experience boost. Yep. And I think that's incredibly important. And when we kind of look into the later game impact of the bench, Chris Lamb's pointing out the bench is made for late game impact. And when you look at the players, you've got Jordan Ulesi, CO, Tupo, Sakai Loto, Wilson, White, Ikatao, Hodge. All of them in their own ways are impact players so Hodge has the capacity for his late game penalty kicks even though hopefully he'll convert a few more of them this series um Ikitao is a strong fast dynamic runner particularly if he can get that little step onto the outside of the defensive player White can control hopefully control the game a lot more coming on late and bring in a bit of scampering energy around the around the rucks Wilson I mean he's dynamic I think he just needs rest as well I think he genuinely needs a rest. He's a young body that has had so many games over the last 18 months. He needs a back. He needs a break. I apologize. And then well, we don't need to talk similar about Similar to uh, Tupo. Let him yeah. run hard for 20 minutes and just unleash and go completely nuts. Yeah. Yeah. 
Can I jump in? Because when you brought up Harry Wilson, he has been so overplayed. And he's a great player, but he's started 38 of the 39 games in his professional career. He's only once come off the bench, and that was against the Waratahs, which is a bye week, if we're being honest. Um, so- <laughs> is this a game where we absolutely smashed you? Uh when was that again? Uh, no, the, oh, we were there, was, weren't we, Mitch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't no, think no. it was that game, though. <laughs> it, it was our most recent fixture. But uh, just to go to that point, you know, 39 professional games, he's only been on the bench once. I'm keen to see what his impact is because he's yeah. just got a huge motor. And I think with that extra drive, with, you know, as you're saying, like having, you know, 20, 30 minutes to really give the impact, that's going to be a big difference for him. Yeah, I completely agree. So what I'm wanting to particularly point out is there was a lot of uh players or positions that we chose where we just got it wrong okay <laughs> so for for locks we're looking at philip and salakayaloto and we've gone ahead with swain and philip so one out of two 50 record there we had valentini hooper and wilson as the back row but well i guess we got two out of three there but we didn't pick swinton coming into the 23 at all I or nice that out there I sorry i thought we're a collective here thank you um well then i'll the pick that there. quaid wasn't in the team so so thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but going through this, I think that the inclusion of Lockie Swinton is a really, really big decision because his 35 minutes of glory was indeed 35 minutes of glory. But he displayed that recklessness like Tim Foster's pointing out here. He does have the capacity to get a lot of cards. Um, he displays occasionally a recklessness that we've saw- seen particularly within the Waratahs season especially since Michael Hooper and a lot of the experienced heads are gone. Rev, do you think that we're going to see another measured performance from Lockie Swinton now that he has more experience around him, more older heads telling him to pull his head in and play within, play with aggression within the game, not try to impose himself too much? Yeah, I think this is a massive game for him. Um, probably the two big differences with this is that first game where he got the red card against the All Blacks, that was off the back of a 43-5 to loss. So he was, you know stinging to get a crack at it, especially because he didn't get to play in that match. So he would have thought he had a massive point to prove. This mm-hmm. week, there's they're coming off a loss, but it's not as big a sting. But probably the bigger factor is that Dave Rennie has given his full support of him. He fought tooth and nail to get rid of that red card that he got at the end of the Waratahs season. I think just having that backing and knowing that your coach believes 100% in you know what you can bring, that he's got that aggression, that he knows how to use it appropriately, um, yep. I think he will come out and know exactly what to do um, so that he's pushing the envelope of the law without, you know, getting carded again. Yeah, I agree. And Stuff by Fish is stating he reckons that Rennie's had strong words with Swinton. He was strong but not risky in a French game. Completely agree. And Swinton is the toughest bastard in both sides, big wheel rugby. Good to hear from a Kiwi that they're acknowledging some of the some of the mongrel that Swinton can bring. (laughs) Now, Mitch, one of the things that we did get right as well was the backing of Kellaway. So Kelloway retaining his place in the side. Are you happy to see him get another run on as 14? Yeah, absolutely. I think he really had a strong performance there last week. Most areas of the game, he was above par and and exceeding a lot of the other backs and had a real impact on the game. He took the scruff of the neck of that that jersey and he made a really strong uh, commitment to that jersey moving forward now. So there's a lot of there's a lot of contention for that 14 jersey. We know Marie uh, Corabetti has that nailed down for probably the rest of this year at least, but you've got players like Dalgunu and Vudalvalu coming back when fit. But Kellaway seemed to do the basics well, and he was in the right spot at all the right times, and he showed a little bit of leadership as well for a player who's in his second start, first start and second test for the Wallabies. He was sort of playing much above his, his stature. So 
I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play again, and I really hope that he steps up and puts in another great performance. Yeah, and what that what that's resulted in is Paisami, uh, sorry, uh, Jordan Pattaya being left out of the 23. And there's part of me that thinks it's a little bit harsh that you go from starting to completely out of the 23 within one game when he was really starved of possession. But within a modern game, my expectation <laughs> upon wingers is that the winger should really be going and looking for the ball. They should actually be trying to make their involvement within the game felt if the distribution's not getting to them. And I just think that Pattaya's contributions over the last 12 months have been so marred by injury. He is not the player that he was at this point in time. I I still think he's an awesome talent and he can definitely improve, but I'm happy to see him have some more training, have some more time with the squad, and he will get game time across the series. But for this really crunch match, I'm very happy to see the more form player of Kellaway be given that spot. Now, I've had the question come in from Jason Sherman. I I thought I'd throw it your way, Rev. Thoughts on McWright being left out as a resident Reds fan? I'm sure you just wanted a team (laughs) full of Fraser McWrights. Yeah, I mean, we can't have it all our own way. But I think McWright, he served a really good purpose last week while we had a few players out. I do think it makes more sense to have a six and eight option on the bench as opposed to a genuine um, seven or fetcher, just because we're not going to replace Hooper. Um, he's someone that would only come off because of injury, and you don't want to plan around that. So I, I quite like having you know the impact of Harry Wilson off the bench this week, and I would have been just as happy if it was um, a non-red like Nasirani. But um, yeah, the the whole back row is interesting. Uh, Valentini moving to eight. I think we've had some questions in here as well, just about his move there and whether he has to stack up and you know Swinton's inclusion. As we said last week when we were talking about this, we've got so many good back rowers, it nearly doesn't matter who we put in there because they're going to perform. Yep, I agree. Okay. Now, Mitch, I'm going to throw this to you as the last one before we move on to the All Blacks. But we've had the comment come in from Christy K on Twitter, outraged that Hodge isn't 15. Now, you called for Hodge to be 15, but you got shouted down by Rev and myself and Banks <laughs> stayed within ours. And it turns out that Dave Rennie agrees with Rev and I. So try and defend your position against that of the National Coach of Australia. Well, look, to be to be completely fair and honest, I was initially viewing Hodge as a 15 to take over Banks when we didn't have a backup kicking option. I really didn't see them slotting uh, Tamu into the centres outside and taking away um, Ikatao and putting him on the bench. So now that we've got uh, Tamua as a backup kicking option, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to bring Hodge into fullback, where we did see that Tom Banks was good with the ball in hand last week. Um, Hodge still, I'm, I'm still not completely sold in saying that he was the best Wallabies player on the field or the tries that he scored wouldn't have been scored by anyone playing fullback because they weren't massively individualistic tries. He kind of just um, scored or finished off a a good set piece from the the rest of the backs. Um, In saying that, Banks has got a good long-range kick, particularly touch finders, but he he was kind of nullified by the win last week. Maybe Hodge would have been better at that area, but at the moment, much of a muchness. The only difference it would have brought in is the long-range kicking that we would have had as a backup to Noah, but with Matt Tamua there, that's kind of a moot point now. So... I'm happy to see Tom Banks keep that jersey and bring Hodge on as a, a utility back who can slot in sort of in the centres on the wing or at fullback should we need an in, need it come an injury time this week. 
Brilliant. Well, you've got the support of the crowd here. Mitch is clearly the brains <laughs> of this operation. So congratulations. We all knew and that. in a moment, we all knew that. <laughs> yes, yes, we definitely did. And um, before we move on as well, uh, we'll just comment here from Hugh Tyndall. Paisami being moved around between 12 and 13 at the Reds and Wallabies worries me a bit. Every position is so specialist, chopping and changing. It just hinders development. Nobody wants to be a pro 23 like Hodge. It is a concern. Let's see how things play out across the series and moving into the next round of, well, next season of Super Rugby in whatever form that actually takes so let's jump now into Bledisloe to team for the All Blacks and Rev um, you're a resident Kiwi expert as well mate you're an expert <laughs> on many things so why don't you talk through some of the major changes and any of the big surprises you thought um, this team was quite interesting to see I thought they might make a few more changes but um, really the one injury enforced change was the major talking point with ALB having a bit of a knee knock so he comes out of the team. Rico Ioane shifts from left wing to outside centre. And we see Will Jordan make his return, which to most people that are you know into betting are probably thinking, great, that's uh, money on him as a try scorer because he just yep. picks up the scraps anywhere they are. Okay. Uh, the only other change really, um, there are a few players that were named last week that um, got pulled before the match. So Samasoni Takiaho gets officially named at hooker. Um, Scott Barrett comes in, uh, who was supposed to play last week, but uh, pulled out late for Tui Pilotto. And then the other change is the return of TJ Perinara coming in for Brad Weber. So the return of uh, Perinara just adds, you know, a bit more experience off the bench. It's a pretty scary thought knowing that he could run in, um, you know, tries from anywhere. I yeah. think he's the second or third highest try scorer in Super Rugby history, which is crazy from a scrum half. Um, this team's really settled and it looks really good. And the danger of having two Barretts, well, sorry, three Barretts on the bench, but in particular one that's been the World Player of the Year twice in a row, um, it's something we can't yet compete with. So we really need to start strong and it's not been our forte. So um, it, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. One of the areas that I thought we actually did quite well in last week was the wide defence and the, the the general inability of the All Blacks to get around us. I am just kind of worried that Bowden Barrett and Jordan Barrett didn't really have an impact at all last week. And mm. in a way, I wish they did because they're very rarely quiet two games in a row. And so that means that they're up for a big one this week and that's that's very <laughs> concerning uh mitch any particular viewpoints or ideas you wanted to talk about from this team before we move to some of the analysis that we've got ready i think the only the biggest thing to be wary of as a wallabies fan is the all blacks don't often put in a subpar performance uh particularly in a Bledisloe fixture and if they do in the few chances in the last 10 years that they've done that and not really been 100%. They've come back 110 to 200% better the week after. So this All Blacks team knows that they need to win the Bledisloe this week. It's going to be a big task for them to go to Perth if that's the decide. If the Wallabies can win it this week, then they've got a big chance going into to Perth. So the All Blacks know that and they're going to be coming out firing. They know they didn't finish well last week. They did take their foot off the, the throat a little bit and the Wallabies came back strong. I don't expect this team this week to do that same sort of thing. So the Wallabies need to start strong and, and finish strong as well. Um, this All Blacks team just going to be roaring to go for the full 80. There's a few really good perspectives that are coming in from the crowd. So the All Blacks will definitely be a lot tighter this week, like you were just saying, Mitch. And I think we're going to see that from the Wallabies as well. But it's a, it's a comparison to which, like, how much can we improve versus how much they're going to be improving as well. Uh, and then Hugh Tyndall, actually, I'll say this from Big Will, Rev for Prime Minister. Oh, you've, got some, you've got some love coming in from hey. the sideline there, mate. Hey, hey. Now, Hugh Tyndall has said, filthy bench 
depth, but kind of glad New Zealand don't know who their best 15 is. And there's a part of me, Rev, that sees that within the centres, particularly within the movement of Rico Ioane into 13. Now, he he can be a little bit hot and cold and he can get caught out defensively against some strike plays as well. So I wonder if that 12-13 channel is going to be an area where the Wallabies are going to look to try and exploit and maybe sit Rico on his... make him have to choose <laughs> and then exploit that decision-making process. I think maybe a year ago that would have been a bit more likely, but his full season at the Blues this year at centre, he was pretty sound defensively. And um, I, I think it makes sense that they've got Tamura in there so that they can try and get it out to the outside backs to maybe attack that channel. Um, again, they will try and go down Jordan's channel a bit as well because he isn't as defensively strong as, you know, a George Bridge. Uh, but I still think it's a bit much to say that um, it'll be an easier option for us. It's still going to be tough to get through. I, I really like the point about um, Udendal saying they don't know their best 15. I think no matter who they put out, it's still going to be a better team on paper than Australia at the moment. <laughs> but it's an interesting um, thought, I think, for when they have to come up against the Springboks. Because I think just their systems are so ingrained that you know they really know who they are as a team and what their best team, second best team, all that looks like. I still get the feeling looking at this team, you know, if Moody and Tonga Fasi come back, how does that change the front row? Um, do they have their best back row settled? Because Tamisa Tutu and Jacobson probably need to both fix uh, feature in there somewhere. Uh, and then yeah, the back line's constantly changing. They've got superstars everywhere, so it doesn't matter too much against us and Fiji and Tonga. But against the Springboks at full strength, that could be a really different prospect. So I think they've probably kept the team the same because they want to build those combinations uh, for when they get to the Springboks. Yep, makes a lot of sense. I so like um, Jason Sherman's comment that said, Corabetti versus Will Jordan. I can't wait to see Corabetti <laughs> run yeah. all the way over Will Jordan. Just uh, absolutely cream him <laughs> on the way to a try. Might have jinxed it just there. <laughs> um, before we move off this section, there was one comment that came in from Chris Lamb that I just want to quickly throw up. If you can put that up there, Ando. Uh, so thoughts on Kellaway's comments about the aura diminishing. Now, unfortunately, I don't know why we do this to ourselves as Wallabies. Uh, we uh, come into up, a big boys. test shut and <laughs> say something silly in the media that says, you know, the, the All Blacks aren't that good. We're much better. Pressure's on them. And it always comes to bite us on the butt. So in this instance, I don't think Kellaway initially actually meant to sort of G up the All Blacks, but that's what it's definitely going to happen. It was kind of like, if you go back and listen to the actual interview, it was a bit of a soundbite that they... They um, took out of it and they were talking about something else completely at the time, but they did corn him into saying something like that, the, the interviewers. So unfortunate that it's come out there because he did come out of the interview sounding a little bit cocky, even though he did have a great performance last week. But the All Blacks are going to be looking for uh, for Kellaway this week and they're going to put him on his ass big time. <laughs> Good, and I hope he dances around them whilst I do it. Okay, let's head on. Yeah, <laughs> let's head on into some of the analysis. Now, there are a few points that we wanted to pick out from last week's game and talk over a little bit more. Um, Rev, you were the one that asked for the first few lineouts to be shown. Is that correct? Yes, that's it. Brilliant. Okay, so let me get that going, and then you can kind of just talk us through what you wanted to point out as these are playing in the background. Well, some of the things that just came to mind was as we were seeing uh, the Wallabies, they really started with 10 minutes of all the opportunities coming their way. Um, they had four lineouts of their own throw um, in pretty decent attacking positions that they couldn't execute. And we saw with Kellaway's try later on that when we get a uh, lineout functioning you know, a bit better, we can do much nicer things with it. We saw the same with um, Jordan Ulessi later on in the match too, which we'll get to. Um, my concern is with, I guess, how we're approaching this. They've already brought it up to uh, the referees that they want New Zealand to be um, keeping a bigger gap between the teams, which is fair enough. They also want to make sure that when they're competing for the ball that they're not touching the jumping player because, again, that should be uh, penalised. 
I don't think that was too big a factor with this. I think just the mix of Whitelock and uh, Retallick know exactly how to infiltrate a lineout, and with the swelling conditions and Pangramos not being the best lineout thrower, it just made it you know hell on earth for us. There was just no continuity. We couldn't get uh, anything firing. My concern with this is we're going to really try and counter that by having a group of players jump in and try and, um, I guess, get a decent push going when the more starts. And with the new law changes with the flying wedge and all the um, latching on, we've now got to be really careful that we've talked about uh, the lineouts of the refs. We've got to make sure our lineout's spotless because it's not a mm. you know point of strength for us. I think if we can get our lineout throws in, it doesn't need to be fancy. Um, and I think that's why they've got Philip and Swain in there, two lineout callers. If we can just get ball up, ball down, and use it, we're going to be in a pretty good position. I hear that. And yeah, and I think another big point around that as well before we move off is that in that in the space of 10 minutes, we had five or six penalties blown in our favor. Yeah. And we went to set piece and lost our advantage every single time. So if the if the role was reversed, the All Blacks have probably scored three tries against us in that space because they'd kick it to corner and they'd execute. So we need to be better at that this week. I know there was factors. The All Blacks were jumping across. The wind was was causing havoc in the throws, but we needed to readjust and maybe look at some other options. Now, none of those were really kickable penalties. We weren't within the 22. Mm. A lot of them were sort of in that 10-meter channel either side of halfway. But when we've got that amount of possession, that amount of advantage going our way, we need to, to put points on the board. We need to find some way to do that. It's just not good enough to kick to the corner and, and lose that possession. And one of the really worrying things was that it was all, all those um, lineouts that we just showed came from the first, what, eight minutes of the game. And yeah. it, we just lost so much opportunity to place early pressure on the Kiwis, which is incredibly important. Um, so what we're going to do now is take a look at Kellaway's try. And as we can see, this is one of the points that I really like here, I'm just pausing it for a moment, is, well, firstly, you can see how much the All Blacks are actually kind of trying to close that gap before they even get going. But And we're ignoring the fact that Paisami may have been a metre or two offside. That, we're <laughs> no, just ignoring he's that. clearly <laughs> inside. He's onside when the ball's thrown. He, he was onside uh... when the ball was thrown. Uh, maybe, maybe. But the thing that I just really want to point out is that the... Line-out caller here is Darcy Swain, and he's made the call to go for, I'm not sure if you call it a Hail Mary throw, but trusting Pangaramosa to be able to throw something this far, this straight, is not always the, the, the best decision. And yet he's made this really gutsy call because he's identified how well the All Blacks are mirroring the Wallabies line-out, and he's just taken it out of the equation. He's gone, well, they can't steal the ball if I don't throw it into the line-out. So they've just thrown it beyond. But even more than that, if you look at it, what they do here is they target the gap between Cody Taylor, who you can see at the back there with the number two on a jersey, and then Richie Mwanga, who's racing up to try and shut down Paisami. So as we hit play, you'll see that that gap is directly, as we pause it there, you see that Mwanga has, has missed him and has gone directly into the seam between the 10 and the two. And then you've got Kellaway coming up on the inside here, who I believe was probably meant to be there for either a pop pass or to do the clean out, but then actually just carries on through and it's because Paisami can get his arm through the tackle, fends away Taylor, which is just amazing. Gets a massive fend off on a hooker, which is definitely what you want to see from a young back. And then the try scored from there. So there's just a lot to like about that play. I really enjoy the fact that, yeah, okay, we sucked at our lineouts for the first kind of 15 <laughs> minutes of the game, but we adjusted and we kind of worked within that limitation 
to pull off a really confidently pulled, um, executed play, which exploited a little bit of a weakness in the defensive structure of just that seam between two and 10, between Taylor and Malonga. So that was really, really cool. Um, and how good is it also... Yeah, how good is it to see that we're we're playing heads up footy and that the the backs have have notified have noticed that there's that position and that gap there, so they're the ones that have instigated that and they've hit that perfectly. That's brilliant. It's good to know as well that there's players out there who aren't just standing there waiting for the ball to come to them in the back line and going, oh wow, our forwards are just letting us down here. Let's do something else. It's not working. Perfect. Yep. We score a try. All right. What we're going to do now is we're going to watch the final mall try between the Jordan Ulysses scores. And I don't want to watch the actual scoring of the try. I want to show you something. Even though it's brilliant. Immediately, We've got it's brilliant. Got to, but it, got I'll it. just pause it for a sec. Um, it shows you the immediate Dan McKellar influence on the Wallabies. And I'm, I'm going to pause. I'm going to press play again. Then I'm going to pause it and ask if you saw what I wanted to point out. So this is a little test. Okay. So I'll pause it and then be like, did you see it? Did you see it? So setting up here. They've got the pot at the back, pot in the middle. Geordie throws in. in. They go to the back. The mall forms. Start going towards the side. And then, did you see it? Did you see what happened there right before? I know it was a little bit choppy. I'm sorry. <laughs> but did you Are see? Are we looking at Valentini? Yeah, we're looking at Valentini. What does Valentini do that is a typical Brumbies play? He pulls two players out of the mall. There he we go. He commits two That's players it. through. Dummies. Yep dummies them out of the mall and, and yep. uncommits it, which then ultimately ends up shifting the momentum back to the left and you, yeah, um, exactly and creating a hole yep. for, for USC to pick off the back and score straight through. There we go. Well done, mate. So as you can yeah. see here, you can see the back of number six right there and you see, who was 20? Was that Jacobson? Yeah. Yeah, Jacobson um, is latching onto him and then someone else binds onto, you've got a five as well and 18. And he basically is able to pull two players out. And then you see Jordan, Ulysses just go straight through that gap. Through that, hole. that right there yeah. is Dan McKellar from the Brumbies through and through. And it's I've, I'd noticed it a bunch of times and I'd mentioned it on the pod throughout the Super season. I'd noticed him doing that. And Most it's just it, so... We- we mostly saw about it because he, yeah. the, how are they getting away with this? How is he allowed to do <laughs> now we love it. this? But now, now that it's it. happening for our team, we love it. It's so brilliant. we love it. Anyway, it was nice to just see that improvement. Um, I'm pretty sure that um oh rugby ecology, Brendan, Brendan, what's his last name again? Brendan Shields. Shields. Yeah, Brendan Shields was pointing out how our efficiency in the use of attacking ball within a 22 or attacking lineouts has increased substantially over the last couple of games. And so it's good to see that we're adding another string to a bow that we can actually um, utilize that aspect of the game. It another, doesn't have to just be flashy back on. Another it. another point around this whole theme, and I don't know if you saw the interview this week on Rugby Heaven, but Matt Tamur was saying that in the past, the Wallabies have often, it's been pretty obvious what the best way for them to, to call when they get a penalty in the 22 is to kick for points because they don't necessarily have a great set piece. And now the in, the introduction of Dan McKellar and the driving mall that we now have developed, similar to the Brumbies. I don't say I won't say we're at the the, the state yet that the Brumbies are at because they can nearly score. They're probably on like eighty percent score rate. Um, we're not quite there yet, but he says it's a, it's a much bigger uh, decision for the captains to make whether they go to the the try line, uh, go to the corner to try and contest that mall or kick the points because they back their players. And last week. Probably we didn't get away. We didn't come away with as much um, points or chocolates as we would have liked. Uh, but this week, I think we'll, we'll see earlier. They'll probably try and 
score some points off that driving ball and see how it goes. Now, a really important question that Jason Sherman asks is, isn't that against the rules? Pretty sure players can't deliberately pull players out of the mall. I remember this happened against the uh, Waratahs, and I was very salty about it earlier on in the season. And I actually went through and had a look into the law book, and the argument that they'd be able to make is that they're not actually pulling players out of the mall. They're choosing to disengage or disconnect and reestablish themselves at the back. And the yep. players who happen to be holding on to them, well, that's that's their problem that they're holding on to. So it's it's a bit of a gray area that has been identified and is being utilized really, really effectively. So I think really like fantastic. if you're if you're visibly standing on the side and actually pulling, physically pulling players out of the mall, you're gonna be pinned for that. But if you're yep. as the player in the mall, as we saw, letting go and shifting out, then it's technically you're not pulling players out. You've yep. just You've uh, disengaged from the mall and you've cleared out of the way. They've just chosen to follow you. Yeah, yep, and they can't re-engage. They can't reconnect because that's changing of the bind. Not, yeah, not from there. Um, They'd have to go back yeah, around. So, yeah. Correct. Yep. Um, so, got a couple of kind words coming in. Thanks, you, Tyndall. It was pretty fun to check that out and be like, oh, yeah, I am learning something about rugby. How good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Big Will is stating okay lads not just pretty faces that's kind that's very kind <laughs> um so what we're going to shift to now is the final part of this evening because we've been going for 36 minutes already we've got to got to wrap things up keep this short and sharp short and sharp and move now to the comparative teams and discuss what we're expecting to see from this weekend so let me get this oops sorry i'm clicking the wrong buttons panic <laughs> i'll get it back up for you boys in a moment but rev can you start us off what are we expecting to see this weekend from the wallabies and the all blacks well the starting teams aren't too different i know the wallabies made a few changes but i think because at halftime it was 16 8 and you know really if we tidy up our discipline it's going to make a big difference um the scrums i, I think they're going to make a big effort to just try and get the ball out or just keep it straight i know that we got pinged twice Slipper for, you know, trying to bend in a little bit and just got caught out and fell straight down. Um, we, we can't really afford that because I gifted them six early points. And when we think back to um, Hooper being offside and them kicking down and getting that uh, wrist try, that's a pretty easy thing to stamp out. I think what's yeah. been a massive killer for the Wallabies over the years is just the easy penalties. New Zealand mm -hmm. capitalised on that so many. So nine penalties, even though we gave away half of what the All Blacks did, that's too many. We really need to limit that to really minimal and if they are going to be um, penalties given away then they have to be in the all blacks territory because they're not going to tend to go for kicks beyond 50 meters yeah um i mean unless i get the, well, the park meet again one. and yeah Wasn't the if, first if, kick this, this week from halfway that Mwanga got i don't just about it was, but it, it was, was definitely wind, one of them but it was weird yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that's what we've got to hope. I mean, and because Geordie Barrett can do the same thing. So we've got to make sure that we're in a position where that's not going to be as big a factor. Um, yep. In terms of personnel, I think the big change would just be how Tamil comes in and how Rico shifts into the centers. Both teams are going to try and use the centers differently. Um, I think both 12s are now um, pretty set as a playmaker, whereas last week ALB can playmaker as well. Uh, and they're both going to be trying to get Paisami and uh, Rico more ball in hand and running. So whichever team does that a bit better is probably going to get on the front foot just that bit better in that first half. Yep. Mitch, how do you think it's going to play out? I'm really excited by to see this team play. I think this Dave Rennie has picked a really good or has met in the middle of experienced players, but also fresh, young, up-and-coming guys. Uh, there's no real massive shift other than Valentini to eight that we're sort of sitting here going, wow, that's an interesting decision, where in the past we often sit here and think there's one or two uh, choices that the coaches make that we think I don't necessarily agree with that. So I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how this team goes. 
I think it's probably one of the strongest Wallabies teams we've seen named for a while. Uh, and the All Blacks last week, they weren't convincing. So we did ch- chase them down in the end of the second half. Uh, they've been talking all week about wanting to have a full 80-minute performance. If we can start f- fast and strong, then I think that we can go the distance this week and I'm going to put it on the Wallabies and this team particularly to uh, to break the hoodoo and to take it out at Eden Park. I think a big call is going to be the ability of Michael Hooper to work with the referees and the match officials a lot more than he has previously. As Chris Lamb's pointing out, it would be nice if there was a warning after the constant infringement from New Zealand within their 22. I would agree with that. Jason Sherman points out, should Hooper be doing more to persuade the referees to card the All Blacks for repeated infringements? Now, obviously, there's an element to that where you approach it properly, you communicate it in a way that's saying, so we're having re- repeated infringements now. You gave them a warning earlier. Is it now time for something more? Not saying they deserve a card for that one. Give them a card, sir. Um, because no ref wants to be told what to do. Yeah. But it is incredibly frustrating from an Aussie supporter's perspective when New Zealand definitely do it. And it's it's a considered ploy that they're doing, which is to slow the ball down, do constant repeat um, infringements to stop try scoring opportunities because they'd rather concede three than five or seven. And it makes sense. Like, I get it. It's a smart play. Okay, good. You can do it. But the referees, in my mind, let them get away with it too much. So I think a part of our opportunity for the weekend, although we'll get to it in a moment, I don't expect us to win. But a part of our opportunity is if we can actually get on the good side of the referee and continue to place pressure upon the All Blacks. It is incredibly difficult. So it is incredibly difficult playing the All Blacks if we don't continually have or be placing pressure on them and we just do these silly mistakes like Rev was talking about and let them get away with it. And Stuff by Fish, yes, the ref did give give them a warning and then the next time they were down there, about 10 minutes later, he didn't penalise them. He didn't give them a card. Um, I, did, so, I did like yeah. one point that he did make and I, we don't often see this, is there was repeated infringements and we scored and then he gave them a warning and said we had a number of infringements there. Let's clean yep. it up now. Where we often do see referees is once the team scored, it's like, all right, well, back to zero and they go back up and they kick off again and it's yeah. like a new game's kicked off. I don't necessarily know if they got back down there and gave another penalty away if he would have gone to the pocket. He didn't, but I don't think we got down there straight away. So, Yep. Yep. Okay, so let's let's bite the bullet. Rev, who, what's the scoring? Well, not what's the scoring. Who's going to win and by how much? Uh, New Zealand, I think, will win. And I think um, on our last podcast when we were sort of reviewing the game, I thought they might win by 10 before I'd seen the teams. Looking at this, I'm a little bit more confident about the Wallabies. There's something about the team. I just think the experience helps so much. Um, but Sheepy is absolutely correct. Uh, he mentioned that the second game is just a shocker for us. Like, we get so many games. Um, I won't bore everyone with the stats now, but, you know, if you want to do some <laughs> light reading, it is shocking <laughs> those second matches. Cry yourself um, to sleep. <laughs> yeah. So, really, if you're having a bad day, don't look into it. But, We're not um, playing at Sydney, so that's helpful. <laughs> that, that Eden helps. Park, that is that better? Well. I think Eden's Park, Eden Park is probably better than playing at Sydney recently. Over the last five years, I think so. But look, yeah. I'm going to say... <laughs> the one since 86. Yeah. I'm going to say All Blacks by eight. I do think um, they're, they're still a bit too out of reach. Um, everyone's already saying that we need to play really well and they need to have a bit of an off match for it to be, you know, that, that tight contest sort of have us in the front. This team can do it, but... Um, it, it's going to take a lot going our way. Yep. I, I also had the All Blacks by eight as well. So it's in my uh, Super Brew tipping comp. So make sure as a quick plug as well, everybody, you get involved with the Super Brew tipping. And Mitch, what's your call? Wallabies by two. 
I said that oh, on the podcast. Hey, hey, I'm sticking by it. And I think nice. I think this is a team. I'm I'm confident in this team. We've got some good combinations there. We've got a good balance of experience and new newcomers. So and the bench is looking spicy. So Wallabies by two. We're going to run at home. How fantastic. Well, let's go through some of the voices of the crowd that have come in. Hugh Tyndall has got All Blacks by 10. Um, Stuff by Fish has Hearts want the Wallabies to, Heart wants the Wallabies to win, but reality says All Blacks by 18. Uh, Carl Loss has said Wallabies by three. Big Will was 14 plus, but I'm now more like five plus to my All Blacks after seeing this team. And Douglas Gardner has gone in with All Blacks by 10, unfortunately. Or Come 10 on, plus, guys. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Tim Foster. That's fake. Well, your twin brother has the All Blacks by five, so maybe you need to have a chat with him. Although we've got Stuff by Fish and Big Will who are very, very happy with your calls of the Wallabies getting Udo's up. gone. Hoodie's gone, Hoodie's gone. Hoodie's gone. What aura. What aura. <laughs> what yeah. aura. Exactly. What aura. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've been going for 45 minutes now. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure. Please make sure that you get involved over the coming days. And so, well, actually, it can't be over the coming days. It's got to be tonight or tomorrow and sign up to our tipping comp. A new pod will be out 6 a.m. Monday morning going over the game of the weekend where hopefully the Wallabies are going to break that hoodoo at Eden Park from 1986. None of us were born when the Wallabies last won at Eden Park. So that is <laughs> Neither that is were worrying. any of the Wallabies. It's fine. Who cares? That's, yeah, that's, that's worrying. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, goodbye. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening.